a great part of the book of Deuteronomy focuses on Moses preparing his people before they entered the promised land. He recounts their history and he gives them instructions from God. And right in the middle of the book of Deuteronomy, we hear these words of caution to the children of Israel. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then on in the 19th verse, he continues, It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. I think that uh, these words of caution to the children of Israel are words that our country needs to take to heart on this day before Independence Day in 2016. You know, whenever I uh, first Started, well, there was a time, I'll put it this way, when I was doubting the very existence of God, and I was working in the insurance claims profession, and I began to see something as I was questioning God's existence. I was questioning all of life, and I wanted to know how things worked and why they worked. And I had to know law. I had to know uh, how to, uh, I had to know contract law. I had to know civil law. I had to know a lot of different things. I had to deal with contracts and I had to deal with the courts. And I began to wonder, why is it that all this stuff works? Why is it that we even have this system of precedence in the court system and everybody agrees that this system works. And then I began to look and, uh, and question even more. Because as I looked around and I saw how varied people were, how at odds with each other that they could be. And yet for some reason, we all agreed that law was law. And we needed to follow the law and the legal system. And I wondered, why is it that the great majority of people in our country are law-abiding? And why is it that when a court decides something, it's just okay, that's the way it is? And uh, I began looking back, and I saw that it all went back to one place, and that was the Constitution of the United States of America. Everything else came forth from that as far as our law in uh, 
the United States. That's the document that even makes it official for us to have laws. So uh, we, uh, we go back to there, and then it gets even more miraculous that this is a, why is it that this piece of paper has such power? And I began to see that there was something going on besides that. I saw that the only thing that was keeping us from just saying, the Constitution's just a piece of paper. I don't need to pay any attention to those laws. Was because we just have all agreed that we will. And I began to wonder, what is it that could cause everybody to agree with this? And the only answer was God. In a free country, in a country where we do have freedoms, the only reason those freedoms can exist is because the restraining and constraining work of the Holy Spirit keeps us from going too far. And you know, uh, that was just a miracle where I saw God at work and it just amazed me. And uh, it caused me to begin to see there was an invisible hand at work in our country keeping us on the right track. Not that we got everything right all the time, but in what was behind all that and what was even behind that is the very document that brought about our coming into existence, the Declaration of Independence. Because you see, whenever we were declaring our independence from Great Britain, at the same time, our founding fathers declared their dependence on God. And officially as a nation, we began declaring not just our independence from another country or any other countries, but our dependence on God. Hear these words. This is in our preamble. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station, now listen to this, to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impelled them to the separation. And so there, in the very first sentence, God is acknowledged. And then we go on to the next statement. We, talking about the people of the colonies at that time, hold these truths to be self-evident. Just, duh, this is just the way it is. And it's so obvious. Anybody can see it. And then he goes on, it goes on, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, 
there in the first two sentences of our Declaration of Independence, which we celebrate tomorrow on July the 4th, when we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence, our dependence on God is made clear that we as a nation put ourselves and know that we are under God, that we are accountable to God. Now, this goes on. We continue to be a nation under God. And then the Civil War broke out. You see, we didn't get everything right, but we all agreed. There was an agreement among the mo- most of the people that we were a nation under God. In fact, when the Civil War broke out, both sides went to Scripture to find support for their positions. And both sides really thought that they were uh, on the right track with God in their fighting the Civil War. But you know what? In the uh, year 1863, Congress uh, called for a time of fasting and prayer in the North, and it was signed by our president. And this, this proclamation that was passed, uh, uh, it was proclamation number, number 97, passed by the Congress of the United States of America, pretty well sums up where we find ourselves today as a nation. Because the people at that time had become, they'd gotten at odds with each other. Both thought the other side was right on at least two different issues. And those issues just elevated until blood was being shed and hearts were being broken. Families were being destroyed. And it began to look like there was not going to be any way for recovery for our nation to take place. And in that environment, Congress passed this proclamation signed by our president. Whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God, in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And, whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Isn't that amazing that something that refers to the Holy Scriptures Uh, something that refers to uh, uh, us confessing sins and transgressions in humility, 
that the Congress of the United States would pass such a thing and that our president would sign it. Wow. But then it goes on and uh, the conclusion, I'm not, it, it, it continues. I can't read the whole thing. It's going to take too much time. It says, all this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. Listen to those words, to its former happy condition of unity and peace. Brothers and sisters, our country is more, is, it's, it's as divided today, it seems, as it was in the time of the Civil War. The lines are just so strong. And we're at a point to where, just like back then, it began to look like recovery wasn't going to be possible unless they just reached out to God. And you know, they were right. They were right. Recovery is something that begins when you recognize you have a problem. And our nation has a problem. We can see it. We are just on the brink of insanity as far as uh, the way things are being handled. We are in in a state of just total disregard for law. And it is all because we, just as they've confessed uh, in this uh, proclamation, have forgotten God. We've forgotten God. In fact, I am going to read the middle paragraph. And in so much as we know that by his divine laws, like individuals, are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins, to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven, We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But, and listen to this, we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. That is the spot that the people back in 1863 saw we had come to. And in like manner, 
in the South, Jefferson Davis, just a week before, had made a similar proclamation that people gather and pray to God. Even though that they were or even though they were divided, at least they realized that they were under and accountable to God. But they had forgotten him. And I think that that's probably where we are as a nation today, at the national level. We have many, many uh, people that do believe in God today, uh, but we have not as a nation, not as a nation, acknowledged God. In fact, we uh, have recently been pushing him out of the picture and pushing him out of the conversation And any conversations that we have about law or the rule of law, it's like we don't want to have anything to do with him. Now, we go on and uh, and, and we continued to see ourselves as a nation under God. That particular phrase first came up uh, in the Gettysburg Address uh, from Abraham Lincoln. But and later it wound up being printed on our, our, our coins. No, I'm sorry, not our coins not under God, but on our coins, in God we trust, began to appear in the uh, uh, 1860s. And then, finally, in 1956, in fact, we have uh, an anniversary coming up, our 40th anniversary of Congress uh, adopting a national motto. And you know what that national motto is? I'll tell you. In God we trust. That's our national motto. Congress on July the 30th, 1956, passed that and it was signed into law by our then president, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. In God we trust. Wow. Just imagine if when school starts back again uh, at the end of this summer, if a principal got on uh, the uh, loudspeaker in high school and and, and was uh, talking to all the kids, and he said, kids, as we start school this year, I just want you to remember our national motto, in God we trust. Now then, let's all say it together. In God, we trust. And then the principal might say, you know, I couldn't hear that. I want to be able to hear it in the hallways. Let's say it together one more time. In God, we trust. Can you imagine what would happen? My goodness, kids would be yanked out of school. Lawsuits would be filed What are you thinking? We can't have religion in school. You're creating a religion. It's just the national motto. Congress uh, passed it. Oh, you can't do that. That's where we've come to today. In fact, after uh, church this morning, I had a gentleman come up to me and he said, you know, for many years, I was a principal in uh, the Houston school district. And when we we were graduating a class of 850 kids, I had to tell them, I'm sorry, kids, we can't have prayer today. We can't have prayer anymore. Uh, We can't have a prayer at this uh, graduation exercise. 
And he said that it didn't seem to bother them. They said, okay. And that troubled him. But on the night of graduation, when one of the uh, student speakers got up, that student speaker went, ha-choo! And 850 students replied, God bless you! He said, you know what? This generation may be the, able to turn it around. It looks like they've got something right. Well, I agree with him. We have some fine folks today uh, that are coming into uh, the, the, into the workforce and into the world. Uh, and there is hope for our nation. But uh, after, since 1956, we have been going the same way that they were going before the Civil War. We have been drifting further and further away from God. And as we have done so, we have wound up more and more at odds with each other. In the uh, 12-step program, we learn that to have recovery, that you must first, basically, realize that you have a problem. You've got to realize you have a problem, and then the first step is we admitted that we were powerless over our problems, that our lives had become unmanageable. I think that's where we are in our nation today. There's not going to be any quick fix that can change the hearts of all the people in our nation uh, and we are just at the point of insanity in so many ways. And what this has come, we've come to the place, let's realize it and, and admit, when prayer was removed from schools, that was just a symptom of what was going on in homes. If prayer had been going on in homes, prayer would not have been removed from schools. But we had started moving away from God. And so then we move from that to where Ten Commandments are being uh, removed from courthouses even. And uh, now then many school districts are uh, uh, not wanting their uh, teachers to even lead their children in the Pledge of Allegiance because uh, they might be uh, uh, sued because of someone being offended. And... Uh, then on the uh, we've got to the place where on the 10th anniversary of 9-11, when people gathered at Ground Zero, and I was there just a few weeks ago, and uh, it's just terrible what happened there that day. Such a tragedy. On the 10th anniversary, no clergy purposely were invited. And uh, to, they were not invited to be a part of the service and no prayer was scheduled to be given. Now, I must say that our president did read the 33rd Psalm, and that is a, a psalm that has in it those words, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And uh, a former president uh, read a passage that had a prayer in the, uh, uh, the, the quote that he gave but no official prayer was given at the September the 11th, 10th year anniversary. 
And that's really scary, folks, because let's face it, God didn't cause 9-11, but it's an indication that God has started to remove his protective hand from his people. Remember, it said it shall come about that if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you today, you will surely perish. We have had God's protective hand. We've been preserved by him all these years. The 2008 financial crisis was also something that I think was a wake-up call that God is removing his protective hand from our nation because we have just thumbed our nose at him. We have become so concerned about offending the 8% of the people in our country who would be uh, uh, offended by something like that, that we don't want to even have anything to do with God as at, at the national level. And in doing so, or offending him. Isn't it amazing that we're much more concerned about offending a few people than we are offending God Almighty? Something has to be done. And as I, as I looked at the state of our nation and as I've been looking at it for years now, my heart grieves and as I was preparing uh, this lesson or with this, this sermon, and my heart was grieved as I, and, and I was just so heavy all weekend, uh, that it was just terrible as I, I couldn't see any hope. And then all of a sudden it hit me. Yes, there is hope, people. There is hope. And the hope comes from the Lord. Our hope comes from him. We wind up at the place where God can work whenever we realize, as it says in the 12 steps, that we are powerless over our problems and that our lives have become unmanageable. Our lives have become unmanageable as a nation our national life has become unimaginable, unmanageable, excuse me. And the second step is we became to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. There comes a time but we have to realize with our own problems in this world that we can't handle them on our own, that we need God. There comes a time in nations when we realize that we can't do it alone. We as individuals can't do anything to turn things around in our nation, but God can and God will as his people turn to him. He says in 2 Chronicles, If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Folks, it's happened before. It's happened before. Our nation has forgotten God and then somehow miraculously remembered him. He's trying to get our attention right now. And I want to encourage you as a person of God, as one who has received Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior or her Lord and her Savior, you are God's people. And it says you humble yourself and call upon him that he will hear from heaven and heal our land. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.